when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. Welcome back to the continuing adventures of the Not Historians. Uh, before we get into today's exciting over-the-top episode, we have a few shout-outs and a few corrections. We've only been on the air for a month at this point. We're actually recording this on Super Bowl Sunday. So if you're not getting shouted out right now or something's not getting corrected right now, that's because you're listening to us in the past. In the past. Yeah. Something about there's 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 a good joke or correlation or segue there, but I don't have it. Uh, so as far as shout outs, uh, we've really been surprised at the outpouring of support that we've got this first week. In fact, it's only been like four days and it's crazy. It has been. It's been a it's been an experience and we greatly appreciate it. So starting off, I'd like to shout out to the Secret Transmission podcast. They've been really cool. Uh, I hadn't really contacted them before. I listened to the show and uh, somebody reached out to me. I'm going to guess it's Dirty Brown Jesus and told me that. You know, hey, good job. Keep going. And I was like, well, that's that's cool. That I listened to cool. them. Uh, also, we got shouted out by the TX Files, who I'm now subscribed to, and the Wandering Chef, which will be coming soon. It's Bite of History on Twitter if you're looking for them. There's also, um, who else? We got Soul Wizard. Yep. Cult 45. Yep. Uh, Dork of All Trades and Fans on Patrol are also part of that group, as well as Superhero Speak, because I, I actually do another podcast and we're all part of one. You can check me out there. It's Nerdtastic 4. It's a little bit different than this. It's just pop culture, nerdy crap, and I'm a little more subdued because I have other hosts to be cognizant of, not like here where I can just run over to them. Ah, run over. Anyway, we'll continue down that list of uh, thank yous. Geek Yogurt. Yep. The story behind. Uh, the Past and the Curious. I love that title. Yeah. I wish you had come up with that. It's very <laughs> Another fail for you. Uh, Justin Stallings. Justin is awesome. He's a friend of ours, but... Um, he did something that was really cool. He made us an intro. You're not hearing it right now, but uh, he made us an intro. We're going to be putting it in later shows. It's awesome. Fan art's already pouring in. Yeah, indeed. Uh, who else Who else gave us a good shout-out? Fighting Yanks. The Fighting Yanks. That's a good podcast, man. And not another, party, uh, not another nerdy podcast. That's another member of the Podcast Mafia. If you're into nerd stuff, check that hashtag out. Good guys. Um, lastly, we have some corrections. And, and some uh, just confirmations, I guess. Is that how we want to... Right. I think that's the best way to approach that. So this is from Monopoly, the very first episode we did. Uh, of course, you know, we don't cover everything in these shows because there's a limited amount of time. We're trying to go off the head. We don't really want to be reading to you. So uh, it, it's a mix. And sometimes we skip things on accident. Uh, the biggest thing was our repeated use of the word Georgians. Now, Shalom, you are a Georgian. I mean, that's true. You are from Georgia. Uh but the correct term for the economic uh, philosophy followers is Georgist. I wrote that wrong, and it just kept getting repeated. I mean, it, it stuck. It did. Um, the biggest one to me was that Mary Pylon is actually pronounced Mary Pilon. Pilon, okay. And it's spelt the same, but the emphasis was on the wrong syllable. Uh, what else What else was there? We had some confirmation. So, so Scrooge McDuck. Yes. We, we talked about how Scrooge McDuck, we thought he wasn't married. That's correct. We are sure that Scrooge McDuck was not married. I'm going to go with 
98.5% sure. I mean, 98.5% sure. Is this I Googled it and skimmed his bio. <laughs> and I was like, no, no wife. No wife. That's how it works. Um, Shalom actually found the price on Ghettoopoly. I, I think like, even on Amazon. Yeah, I don't know if Amazon. this is original. It might be a reprint, but we don't care. It's, it's approximately 100 bucks. So, I mean, it'll set you back about 100 bucks to buy the game. But, I mean, in my opinion, it might be worth it. I, I kind of want to see what it's like, and maybe we can have an, a live air. I'm telling you, I will put that I will put that on YouTube. We'll set up the GoPro or one of my Nikons, and we will play it, and you guys can watch. We'll even record it for audio. Uh, it's 100 bucks. I don't know that we'll pay that right now because we get a lot of startup costs. But <laughs> if some console wants to DM me on Twitter, more, more than welcome to oblige you in taking your money and or game. We'll send it back if you really, really want it. We're not, we're not jerks. I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm going to go with, I'm probably blowing smoke there. Oh, man. Do you know where that phrase comes from? No, man, but I've, I've actually heard the phrase a few times. A few times? A few times, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I interpret this phrase to mean that you are being overly kind or flattering, and it's it's in oh. a disingenuous type of way. Um, no, I'm sort of. The main thing what does is that mean. What you sort of, sort of. Uh, blowing smoke refers to somebody who's kind of lying, inflating the subject, but it doesn't actually deal with the kind of inflation that you think. Uh, back in the day, in the 1770s and the 1700s in general, but in the 1700s when this got popular, it's a practice. And it was called the uh, tobacco smoke enema. <laughs> what? Okay. They, they would blow pipe in your booty hole. Like that's a legit thing? Uh, there's even a rhyme for it that I found. See if you could decipher what's going on here. It goes, tobacco glister, breathe and bleed. Keep warm and rub until you succeed. And spare no pains for what you do may one day be repaid to you. I got to say, I don't really want any of that repaid to me. I'm I'm good. You don't want to, the breathe of the bleeding repaid to you? I don't want any of that. The pains? Spare no pains? No, please spare the pains. Uh, you're going to really want them to spare the pains because I can tell you this. The first documented case I could find of this happening was a man whose wife had seemingly succumbed to whatever disease she had. Mm-hmm. And he heard about this tobacco smoke enema procedure. And he proceeded to take his pipe, drop her drawers, insert Cover the bowl and give it a good blow. It brought her back to life. Man, quit playing. Are you saying brought her back to life? I don't know that she was actually clinically dead. I don't know if there was a doctor there. He's dead, Jim. But <laughs> but um, also, I don't know if you ever smoked a pipe. Uh, yeah, a couple of times. Okay, so you know if you have a, a good corn cob pipe of some sort or mm-hmm. what have you. Uh, if you blow out it, that's really not a good idea because you no. get ash and ember everywhere. Right. So I'm just imagining. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's where that spare no pains comes from. I'm guessing. I mean, I don't think they wrote it about this specific story, but yes, this is generally where the saying comes from. Is they would have a kit mm-hmm. and they would insert a tube with some sort of brass. I'm assuming because brass is self cleaning, so I'm hoping they knew that at the time. I mean, but these are the same folks who who thought that tobacco cured everything. I, that's right. Tobacco cures cancer. I, you heard it here, kids. Yeah. But they would take they would take the hose with a little brass like fireman's tip, yeah, and they would gently spread you, gently. Okay. Well, I'm hoping. I mean, if it's an emergency, you might have to go raw dog and just like, <laughs> like I have no idea what to, what to say to this. But please continue with this. With so they would insert it, uh-huh. and they had they would have what's called a fumigator, 
which is like a smoke source, like a beehive fumigator, you know, that they use a smoke source of tobacco. And they would have a bellows like you would see maybe in an old time fireplace. You, I know you have a fireplace. I don't know if you use a bellows. Uh, we don't use a bellows, but yeah. Well, I know I don't yeah, I think you use gas, right? <clears throat> no, ours is, a, is a wood. Oh, it's wood. So you could use a bellows. You could. So it's like uh, they use them blacksmiths. It's this little accordion looking thing that you yeah. And it forces smoke like a, like an old time uh, bicycle pump. Uh-huh. And they would attach that to the other end. Somebody would operate that and it would cause the smoke to travel inside you. And the, the theory was at least... One, nicotine speeds up your heart rate. It does that. Uh, anyone who smokes, I'm a smoker. I try to quit, but uh, I'm succeeding slowly. Well, good for you. But it excites your heart rate. Your heart rate does go up. Your blood pressure goes up. Everything goes up. Yeah. Do you, but you know what? what's good for, to, and just maybe a little off topic, but what I've heard is good for curing the smoke, the smoking habit, the nicotine addiction. Locking yourself in a room for like uh, three weeks. I mean, that helps too with a blindfold and a squeegee. Okay. And please don't ask what the squeegee's for. And Oh, I know. But no, it, it, honestly, what I found out is it's uh, blowing smoke, apparently. That's that's the cure. <laughs> that's the cure. <laughs> that's the cure. I need to try that. You're trying to get me into it. Hey, man, I'm not trying to get you into anything. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you take this. You receive this. Excite your heart rate. Uh-huh. And also, the smoke is warm. It dries out all that extra moisture. They, they pretty much are trying to cure you from the inside. Like, but what were they curing you from? I mean, you said dried up No, no, moisture. cure, cure. Like, as in a pork rub. Like, oh, with salt, like smoke cured you. Oh, like cured meat. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying okay. to mummify you. Oh. Uh, that's not what they were trying to do, I but mean, they thought, well, on a small scale, they thought it would dry out all the extra. And, of course, you know, there's a, there's a route. You could inhale it, too. They thought that, like, if you were suffering, you could just smoke mm-hmm. and it would get to you. But somebody is unconscious, not breathing. They can't, you can't force the smoke into their mouth. So I guess my question is why, why would they, what kind of situation would you have to be in? Cause the way you opened it, it seems like it's, it's about any situation. What situation well, in particular would they, would they use to, to where you'd be unconscious and they had to try this? Well, they used it for a whole bunch of like any kind of disease or ailment where you would fall out and not be breathing or breathing enough to be able to take the tobacco smoke into your own body. Okay. Primarily though, it was promoted for drowning victims. Oh, okay. So if you're drowned and they pull you out like Wendy Peppercorn, it's a whole different story now, right? Because he's playing dead and she's like, get the hose. Put it in and he just smiles. And then, um, anyway. That's they, disturbing. Yeah. Yeah. They would leave these out. They actually had them. Uh, so it's the Reverend Tim's. Yeah, the Tim's. Tim's. They got the Tim's on. The Tim's. Right? Like they're from New York. They got the Tim's on. And if you were if you were out there, you were expected. If you frequented it, yeah. you were expected to know how to operate this device. Because, because were you expected? See, that's an interesting thing. Well, it's kind of it, yeah. if you were a hobbyist of like swimming places or places oh, okay. where people go to the water. Because all the time they had movie theaters and they had like the Globe Theater or whatever. Right. In revolutions, that's all the British had at the time. Gotcha. So they thought, hey, we'll put these out, kind of like we do with the external defibrillator. The defibrillators, you know, you see. If where you work, they have them on the wall. They do. We have them next to our fire extinguishers. Okay. So you take them, you put them on the person. There's a little picture. Powers on, tells you exactly what to do and when to hit the button. Mm-hmm. Hits the button, shocks them back to life. That's the idea. It's not for a dead heart. It's for when you have like an affibulation. When your heart's out of sync, it resyncs your heart right. with the electropulses. All right. They didn't think that this did that. They weren't that crazy. But they thought that, hey, we should have these out. 
So these two dudes that founded it. Um, now, you were telling me you, you did hear about them because they actually founded what would later become the Royal Humane Society. Right. William Hawes and Thomas Coogan. All right. So Hawes and Coogan decided that they would found this institute. It was called the Institute for Affording Immediate Relief for Persons Apparently Dead from Drowning. That's what the Royal Humane Society was originally called. Like that, yeah, that's too much, too long of a name. Yeah, no, it was the T I A I R P A D F D. Well, that sounds about right. British acronyms, from my from my knowledge or my recollection of history class, were longer. MI6. That's, that's the one I know, right? Off the that's, that's the only one? That's the only one I need to know. That's who I'm, call, I'm calling James Bond. So I'm going to have to name Britain. Anyway, you dial the emergency number, and somebody would come running to you with a fumigator and a bellows. And be like, stand back. I've got this. <laughs> uh, see, that? that's ridiculous. Show me that ass. I feel like you, I feel like you would fit in. <laughs> so they wouldn't... They would they would run up to you with this, you know. They would insert right now. Um, in emergency situations, we assume that it is like we see on our medical dramas, where they're like, "There's no time." Yeah, we have to operate in the taxi. Right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what you're missing out on are the illustrations that that uh, Desmond is actually showing. So he's <laughs> when he's talking about inserting, he is giving us the full vision of inserting. Um, this tube, and then also, you know, the the gentle caress. He's also explaining this too, and yeah, and I did the operating. It has scalpel. Oh, he did operate with the scalpel, scalpel. and I held it properly, like a pit. I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't. I don't either. I, don't I just feel like this properly. Oh, okay, gotcha. You wouldn't want it. Would you really want to hold it like you're holding like a top, like a turkey carving knife? I mean, I feel like no, no. So anyway, yeah, they would they run up on you and they would they would go do it, but in the emergency situations. We have to operate in the taxi. There's no time. I'm assuming you go and ask him out. Gotcha. Now, let me ask you this. All right. In an emergency situation, we've all seen the, the comedy, Western comedy trope of like, I got bit by a snake on my ding dong. You're going to have to suck it out. Would you? In a life or death matter, say, say you rolling with the homies. All right. As one does. That happens often. And somehow you go, oh no, look, some water. Let's go play in that. And one of y'all drowns. I mean. You pull him out. You're trying to, the, the, what is it, breathe and bleed. Yeah. You cut him apparently too. You're like, hold on, I got you. <laughs> and it's, not, it's not working. Okay. So, um, so, so what's Is the, the rock aware coming down? <laughs> no, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not. I mean, it's, it's just not. The Levi stay up. The Levi stay up. I couldn't do it, man. I, I mean, like, I think if it was, like, your wife or your kids or something like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Maybe. You would You would, You would. at least think about it. You might be like, okay, I'm going to slowly let me. Nope. Nope. But. I'm, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. You know, it but what would it, let me, what would it take for you to go, oh, this is, this is the procedure I need to give or take? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Because I also now. Look at, or I, I mean, for since I've heard of the term bloodletting, I've always thought of it as a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous idea. Or and then also ask, why would anyone think that this would work? Let's let the old blood out so the new blood can heal you. So because blood is poison. Because blood is poison. So no, I, I don't. I don't know that there's any way I would have done this. However, 
if it were proven medically that it would help, then, I mean, I guess it just really deter- it depends on how good of friends we are. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe maybe you don't go raw, like emergency. Mm-hmm. But let's say you're, you're hanging out at a tire shop. and Why would I be hanging out at a tire shop? You're getting your tires changed. Okay, got you. And, you know, they have a little um, bath where you check for uh, holes in your tire. They roll the tire. Right. See the bubbles in it. Actually, you used to work in a tire shop. So you roll the tires in it, see if the bubbles come up, tell you where the leak is. Say somebody falls in there somehow, some stupid-ass person. And you realize while you're sitting there that there's, like, a pack of Winstons mm-hmm. and an air hose, of course, because you're in an air hose and you're like, I've got this. Right. I think at that point, you know, what's You done try done? CPR or whatever, yeah. but... I mean, you, you try to say the guy, but, I mean, and I figure, you know, nowadays, if this was still a practice that was proven safe, we'd have things like, uh, you know, mouth guards. You know, kind of like you have the... Well, I mean, they have a whole, huge hole. It's not like you just go straight. Like, I mean... <laughs> you, 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 you are using a hand pump uh-huh. to force smoke through a length of hose into the rest. Okay. So, I mean, you don't need a mouth shield, hopefully, because you're not going to be that close to... Uh-huh. True. A pair of rubber gloves, definitely. Definitely rubber gloves. But. No, they got to be antiseptical gloves. Okay. Let's say they are. Let's say there's antiseptic gloves, KY, a brass tube, like self-cleaning, a length of good hose, and a sealed package, sterilized hose. Yeah. And tobacco, medical tobacco, which I'm sure costs like $20,000 in the U.S. And, uh, and like an electric pump. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like. There shouldn't be. So let's talk about your, your the kit that you just just described. Right. Uh, the, the kit that you just described sounds like maybe somebody's weekend kit. But what it really needs to be is uh, I, I think you need to take KY out of the equation. Maybe just petroleum jelly. Well, I'm saying so. You want something? Let's say it, this is not supposed to be a pain thing or a pleasure thing. This is strictly medical. So yeah, whatever you want. Because the main thing is you want to see it. It's right. not about going in. The liquid forms. You know, helps to form a gasket. That's my idea. It helps also to go in. Person's passed out. They, they might wake up when you go to insert. They might. And if that works, that's a success too. I think that, that counts for the kit. Counts well. Okay, counts yeah. for the kit. I, yeah. kit. The kit still did his job. It got the guy up. <clears throat> so let's say this drowned tire shop person uh-huh. laying there on the ground, and you say this kit. What do you want in it? Because you said that that sounds good, but got to change out the KY. You definitely got to get rid of the KY. And replace KY with, with like petroleum jelly of some sort. You know, like medical grade petroleum jelly. Sure, that's sure. the thing. Uh, then you've got you got to have the antiseptical gloves. Mm-hmm. You make some wipes too. You, well, I was getting there. You got to have wipes afterwards for, you know, before and after. You wipe yeah. it before. Yeah. No, I got make you. sure it's clean. Well, I And then a little before after or the afterwards. Iodine works too on the on the in, in section or the insection. The insertion site. Because you never know that even if you you yeah. never know if you're gonna have some tearing yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. Um I think we just took this way too far. I think you did. I'm just <laughs> sitting here like you, you seem to be way too fixated on the on the whole prepping and insertion. Hey man, you know what there's nothing there's nothing funny about being safe. And right now I don't know if you mean being safe from drowning or from this kit. The safest way to be to be sure is to stay away from the water. In the first damn, we should ban. We should ban water. No, no, we should just ban people from who do not know how to swim from being in the water. I feel like that's a Darwin situation. (laughs) It kind of is. I'm not saying just let them drown, but I'm saying if you don't know how to swim, then you should. And the sign says no lifeguard on duty. Then you you shouldn't be there. Are you going 
you know what? I'm going to take a dip. No, I'm not. I mean, I can swim, but no, if I couldn't, I wouldn't be there. I am not a very strong swimmer. So I know that I can, I mean, I know I can hold my own for, um, you know, in, in the water for a little while. I mean, maybe 30 minutes can tread water. But after that, I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to keep my, myself above, above water. So I know that I, if I get a cramp, I shouldn't be in the Thames. You know what? I'm glad you said that. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty proficient swimmer, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, now that you said that, it worries me. I don't want you to die and drown and somebody come along and stick holes in your ass. Thanks. I don't want that either. So, okay. So they use nicotine, but like nowadays we have nicotine in liquid form, so we can put it in these uh, in these e cigs and stuff like that. Yeah, um, they vape up. Yeah. So I wonder, did they have something like this back then? Like a like a vapor? No, no. They, didn't, they didn't have a vapor deal. They did do a liquid form. Yeah. Okay. Of the enema, like most enemas that people know of are liquid. Now the enema itself just refers to the process. I think. Right. I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know. But judging that you can do it with smoke mm-hmm. and you can do it with liquid, um, no, they would make it from all the things that you would find healthy and you would think would help with somebody drowning or having cancer or the flu or whatever. So in some instances. What what would you think is a good liquid for uh, I don't know a drowned person or somebody with a like a bad cold that can't breathe or whatever? Uh, maybe a bad cold like chicken soup. And you're right, they would they they would actually take like chicken broth. <laughs> you're kidding. And they put like tobacco leaves in it and whatever. And they just sit there and mix it up. Uh huh. And they get like a funnel. Oh. And they give you a nice little chicken noodle soup for the soul. Like, but was it warm? Well, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's warm. They don't want you to be cold. The whole process is about warming you up. Right, but if this is, if it's not, it's not super. Okay, it's not like super boiling liquid. I assume you don't. I mean, you don't pour boiling liquid into any. That's obvious. They knew that. Yeah, they're not cavemen here. Well, and they didn't use this stuff afterwards. What you mean? You mean like when they got back up, they turned the funnel around, put it back in the pot, and then had dinner? Right. No. Okay. Good. No one is having booty noodle soup. But is that too far fetched of a concept? I mean, uh, well, we, we use enemas for, for medical purposes now. I don't know what all they are. I didn't look up the history of the enema. Well, like, this one you can take. I think I'll pass. You can take the enema. No, I think I'll pass. Thanks. I mean, you know what? Um, I'll, I'll, make, I'll make a deal with you. All right. We, we try to raise the money for Ghettoopoly, right? All right. If we get like $10,000, I'll do I'll do the tobacco smoking. I'm already a smoker. I'll, I have my eye. I'll do it to myself. I'm gonna put it down there and just step on the bellows. So what I just heard you say, I'm just gonna ask for clarification for ten thousand dollars. For ten thousand dollars for the show, not for me. For the show, you were willing to get a tobacco enema. You know, I'm getting to the age where I'm gonna start to have to have them exams anyway. But not with tobacco. Nah, but I mean, I'm not saying like I'm gonna do sit there for like ten minutes. It's like two puffs. But that's it, man. Now you gotta give the, the people their money's worth. That, that's their money's worth. Oh. And I said it's not to me, it's to the show. That's what the show's worth to me. Well, I feel like... Two puffs in my butt. <laughs> so they did this. Rundown of the timeline is not very long. So you don't have to worry about, um, did your grandpa ever stick a tube in some guy's butt to yeah. save him from drowning during, like, World War II? No. Probably not. Probably not. It got invented around the mid-17th century. Okay. Or 1700s. 1700s. The 18th, 18th century. Um, it became popular 
from the Royal Humane Society. I'm not going to say that other long name. Right. And they paid to actually have those kits with tubes and the bellows and everything, fumigator, put up on like the Thames and other places, popular bodies of water. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often they were used. I'm sure they were used some. They instructed people in them. Like I said, this was the old-fashioned defibrillator. Yeah. It was kind of like CPR. They had other processes they used in conjunction with it all. Obviously, from the Gleister breathe and bleed, they, they put it all yeah. together. It was used. It's not impossible that you could find multiple, multiple cases of somebody doing it. They offered a reward. Yeah, okay. I didn't mention that, but they, they did. They actually offered a reward at one point of... Uh, it's it would be like eight hundred dollars, maybe you think it was like two shillings or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. For for what though? A reward for what? For successfully using it. Like if somebody drowned and you were to use one of their kits uh-huh. and it works, they would pay a bounty. Oh, that's cool. So there was an incentive for people to try it and to do it and maybe not get it used on them, obviously, but no right. Uh it got very popular for a period because they were pushing it and they had the drawings and they would hand out pamphlets. In the late in the late 1700s, in the very very early 1800s, because like I said earlier, around 1810, 1811, 1812, I'm not real positive on the numbers here. They realized that uh, nicotine is toxic to mm. the cardio system. So uh, your cardiovascular system it, it has a toxicity level that you don't want to do it. Um, so hypoxia is your number one, still your number one concern. This wouldn't have necessarily made things worse. It was okay. made to be used on people. That were assumed dead or dying. Gotcha. They they couldn't breathe. That was the whole point. If you could breathe, they just hand you a cigarette or a pipe, yeah, pouch of tobacco, something, because it would help speed up your heart. And that's what they want. They want to get your heart going, which in theory sounds good to me. I mean, in theory, yeah, it doesn't sound crazy to go like you know want the dude's pump heart to pump fast. Get it's slow. Pump. It's low. He's barely got a pulse. Yeah, get him an accelerant. Get him something. To, yeah, mm-hmm. get him something to accelerate his heart rate. Get up. Can't jog, obviously. Right. Also can't swim. Give him a square. Let him let him hit it and get up. And then if you couldn't, they thought, well, we can't force it down your throat because you're not breathing. Right. So it's not going to get into your system. Your respiratory system isn't going. It won't disperse. But for some reason, going through the butt. I mean. Well, they just thought it was a more direct route because it goes into your stomach and it does things yeah. react. Yeah. We have suppositories now. And that's because of the way they, they do and the bioavailability of them. And they have different. They have different uh, methods of action. Yeah. So, so did that is that is this maybe the beginning of suppositories? No, no, no. I mean, that's a pretty. I mean, I, I don't. I didn't look at the history. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I completely be wrong at this point. But as far as I know, it's been a pretty common method of uh, delivery for things for a long time. Gotcha. Just because, again, when somebody is out of commission, there's a very readily around the and then the colon and stuff everywhere that you can get to with that. If with smoke form, liquid form, whatever, are they will absorb it. It absorbs in there's very thin lining and stuff. I mean, I'm not I I don't want to talk too much about this because I'm not a medical dude. Yeah. I remember what I learned in college. Anyway, that's it. They they would they would blow smoke in your butt, bring it back to life, which sounds good. You know, uh, here's the thing. Let me ask you this part. <clears throat> I asked you, would you do it? Now if you were drowned and it brought you back to life, say somebody did, and even if it was just the embers or chance or luck. Or it really worked. Would you Would you be okay with that? I mean, I, I feel like I'd be okay with just about anything if it brought me back. From, right, right. Or I mean, from the that, brink of death, you know. That, that's it. I mean, would you? I wouldn't have a card in my pocket that says, "If I die, please insert tube and blow smoke with the bellows into my 
I, I wouldn't get no. Yeah, I wouldn't walk around with that card either. But you know, I think that if if there were valid scientific proof that it worked, well, for the time there was like I want to I want to I wanted to touch on that. Um, for the time, these weren't just people saying. Well, I, I heard that if you did this, it would work. Like smoke. you mean they weren't but, blowing smoke? Yeah, if they, they if you step on a you know like if you smoke a banana peel, uh-huh. you get high. No, it's not. It's not an old wives' tale. It's it's a remedy that was touted by doctors. Gotcha. Doctors that would later go on to prescribe like meth and heroin and cocaine for problems, and still thought that cigarettes helped with asthma. But they were doctors, and they were the medical minds of their time. Mm-hmm. And they said, "This is this is what you got to do." And so people did it. Makes sense, kind of like how doctor, how how um, medicine is pushed today. So yeah. yeah, I mean, there is there are parallels today. I mean, think about it. Right now, we say, I mean, and this is this is a bad example, but it's not. You have to get a colonoscopy. Right. Hopefully, in the future, you don't have to get a colonoscopy. Okay. I'm hoping in the next ten years, you don't, because I don't want to. I don't want to do that. But yeah. uh, my thing is, maybe that's going to be looked at just as weird. I mean, the weirdness in this is, of course. Not it one the tobacco, but we already knew that people thought tobacco was healthy. It's the fact that they wanted to stick a hose in your butt and blow smoke in. Right. So now we're telling you that the doctor's got to stick his finger up your butt and feel if you have cancer. Tell me that in a hundred years your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids aren't gonna laugh their ass off at that idea. True point. I mean, true point. Now, personally, I hope that in the future, the things that we look back on. That are as crazy as this are things like chemotherapy. Yeah. You know, things that are horrible. This is just a hilariousness to us now, I think. I mean, we understand. I, I laugh at the idea behind it. Um, the idea that people have, um, in a medical procedure, someone going in your, in your butt is not that weird. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm saying in a medical se- like in, in a medical, medical setting, I think is it, right. is it, it's not weird if anything happens to you. I mean. No, I think you're right. Any dude that's got a physical can tell you that. It's just, it's it's medicine. It's not yeah. anything else. It exists in the realm of medicine. But you know what? We have plenty of time to show. This is an interesting topic, and I wanted to do it because it's fun. It's sure. funny, and we wanted to relax. We were working hard on the show and getting things together. So you said something to me right when the show began, and it wasn't something that we researched beforehand. A lot of these we researched beforehand, knew the answers to, come to, and we talk about. So the phrase that you told me, was what? Oh, Katie bar the door. You said Katie bar the door. I have not heard this. I, you know, I I've heard it at work. I've heard it at um and just social settings where people are like Katie bar the door, and I'm like I have no idea what in the world that means. Now, how do they use it? What is the context for this? Well, the the context is exasperation. Like they're they're like something somebody's done something, and you're just like instead of saying oh my goodness or Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. They're saying, Katie, bar the door. Like, don't let them do anything. Don't do anything else. Uh, just stop, you know? Okay, that's kind of what I found in my research because before, I didn't, I had never heard this. So this was completely new for me. And this is only like maybe two or three weeks old. This is not something that I researched like heavily or deeply. I just went online and typed it in because honestly, I thought you were. Pulling my leg. I don't know where that comes from either. So I add that to it. But I really thought that you were just saying something to make me go and check what it was. No, no, I'm serious. People use this. No, I found that out. I found it out. I went online. It's a common phrase in the South, I'm told. 
Right, okay. And we live in Texas, so that makes sense. Yeah. We have lots of uh, people from all over that live here. We're in the crossroads. We're not really the middle of America. We'll do an episode on the actual middle of America. But we're not the middle of America. We're close. And I hadn't heard it, so it really threw me off. Because you hear all kinds of weird sayings here. Because we're the crossroads for like southern accent, southwest accent, the midwest accent. And people traveling back and forth because we're on what used to be Route 66. Right. So we hear all kinds of things and things catch on. And we get trends and things a little bit sooner than some of the other parts. So I was really, really surprised to find out this was a southern thing. And I didn't know it. This is like the Kool-Aid pickle. Uh, it's just the stuff. Kool-Aid pickle. Oh, man. Okay. Well, side note, kids. Here, I'm going to tell you a story. There's a, a treat that is made with Kool-Aid and pickles. Take pickles, buy a jar of pickles, take the pickles out, take the pickle juice, add the Kool-Aid and sugar to it, put it back together, take Kool-Aid, or your pickles, cut them, put them back in there, let them sit for a while, boom, Kool-Aid pickles. Get the flavor, a little sweet. That's a real thing. That's not, that's not, I didn't make that up. Don't, right. don't look at me like I'm crazy. I, I'd never heard of that. And I never heard of Katie Bar the Door. It's just as crazy. Sound point. So, um, Katie barred the door. Now, do you did you did you look it up or ever think what the hell is this and ask people? I mean, uh, I, I've asked. I mean, because it's something that's used a lot at work, and and I'm thinking, you know, what, what does this mean? Why do you say this? The answer is, I don't know. They said, don't worry about it. Yeah, just use this phrase. And I said, okay, all right. Well, I'll incorporate it in my vocabulary. <laughs> the name comes from a lady called Catherine Douglas. All right. Now. This is the one version that I'm sticking to. There are other versions of this story. I don't usually try to promote this as the way we do business here. Mm -hmm. But it seemed to me that this was the overwhelming supported theory. And this is the theory that the words come to me. The the original connotation of the word might have been different. It may have come from a different source. But now, in modern use, it seems through my research that this is the event that people use as what it means. Okay. There are songs, there are poems, there are other things that people say, well, maybe it came from this, and maybe it has to do with like a drunken husband, and maybe it has to do with all these other That's fine. But by and large, it seems that people that know what it means when they're saying it, or believe they know what it means when they're saying it, are referring to Catherine Douglas or Katie Barlass. Okay. And as you may have guessed, Barlass, Katie Bar the Door, they are connected. I'll go ahead and tell you the story here because it's a little bit, um, it's a little bit crazy. Uh, it's usually used to mean watch out, trouble is coming. Somebody goes, oh, Katie barred the door like you were saying. It means hold up, hold up, hold up. We got a problem with this. This is not going to be good. Okay. So at the time, um, the King of Scotland, uh, I think it was James, the King of Scotland was under some pressure, you might say. The King was chilling. Chilling out, Max, and he went to, up to chill with some Dominicans to, and not the Dominicans like your name, like the the order, the Catholic order. Gotcha. To play some b-ball. Outside of after school, uh, it may have been. I, they probably had Sunday school. Yeah. And at the time, schools were also in monasteries, so there's a good chance. With the Dominicans and stuff, he was just having a good time, making trouble in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, well, he wasn't making trouble in the neighborhood. Actually, this group of knights and other nobles were really not happy with this dude. Okay. So he traveled with his people up up to this castle, this monastery um, in Scotland. And I can't remember the name of the place off the top of my head, but he went there. 
And when he got there, he took his Chamberlain with him. And the Chamberlain was like, you know what? This is a really safe place. You need to show people you trust them. I'm making this all up. Hey, no locks on your doors. Just good business. Take the locks off your doors. Open policy. King Queen are there. They think, why not? Sure, we trust these dudes. They're hiding us. Couldn't be bad. Now, the Queen also has her ladies-in-waiting and their servants. And probably a jester. I don't I don't know. Yeah. But they had people with them. And the, they had no locks on the doors. So, a little time passes. Not much. That sounds weird, though. Sounds like a setup. It's. I mean, in hindsight, it's very much a setup. I don't know how he sold That's why I made up the story. Because he had to have sold it to him. Yeah. You couldn't just tell me, hey... I know these dudes are out to get you, but why don't you come stay at my house and uh, you can stay in this room with no with no locks. Right. And uh, everything will be okay. My guys will take care of you, so you don't need your guards. That probably happened, too. I don't know. He probably had a few good men with him, like Tom Cruise or something. <laughs> um, so, anyway, these knights and other men-at-arms roll up, and uh, they had removed, like I said, the what you call it, the lock bar, I guess, the bolt. Right, okay. The bolt for the door. I don't know what you call the piece. You know, in the old tiny castles where you have the two planks or the two pieces of steel or wood that hang off the door and the frame or the castle wall. Yeah. And you drop that bar in between them. Mm-hmm. And that keeps people from entering. Like right. Like a four by four. Okay. So they took that. That's what they took. So when these guys rolled up and they noticed it, everyone with the king's entourage decided, hey, we need to find something to bar the door. Okay. We're going to tear up the floor. The king will escape into the sewers with the queen and get away. We'll hold him off for as long as we can. The king must live. Now, enter Catherine Douglas, Katie Bartlett. Okay. She was down for the cause. But now, why was she there? She was She was, she was one of the ladies in waiting for the queen. Oh, okay. She, gotcha. That's what I'm saying. That's why that was important earlier. So, she rolls up and she's riding her die. So, she looks around and goes, there's no time. We got to bar the door. Katie bar the door. She tells herself, uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe she originated the say. Who knows? Maybe she did. Maybe she said it. So she realized, looking around the room very quickly, that there was only one real option in her mind for how to bar that door from about a dozen strong men busting it. What was that? She stuck her arm in the bolt hole. Indiana Jones style. You know, where he reached for the lever in the buckle. She said, nope, not coming in here. Stuck her arm in the slot where the bolt went and tried to hold them off. Oh. Did not work. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that the whatever the fracture point, breaking point is for the human arm <laughs> is not what um, dudes who fight in chivalric warfare, knights of the round table, can kick at a door because they busted that shit in and they killed the king. Oh, they killed the king. He so, didn't get away. So after all that, the king got killed too. King got killed. Queen got away though. I think. Oh, okay. Well, not not positive again. But the story isn't about the king queen. The story is about. Katie Barlass. Katie, Katie okay. Barlass. And that's how she got the name. Because in Scotland, guess what? Bar Lass. Oh, okay. Bar girl. Yeah. She stuck her arm in the hole, held it for as long as she could. I'm going to assume because you usually don't get your bro- arm broken if you're not holding out. Right. So they broke the door. And uh, Katie became famous. They, they sang songs about her. They wrote poems. Maybe one of those is where the phrase actually comes from. Did they kill her too? No, no. She lived on. She lived okay. on for a while afterwards. That's she got the name. There's records of her. Um, it's loyalty. Yeah. How it doesn't mean loyalty puzzles me. When you say, well, you know, we were there and my wife walked in, but Katie barred the door. Like, 
my brother didn't tell her that we've been drinking all night. You know, it's Katie barred the door. That that's what it would if I knew the story originated it. That's what it would mean to me. Right. But I guess in the time that they were, they took it away as troubles coming because dudes are coming to break your arm for sticking it in a hole. It's meant for a big plank of wood. <laughs> oh, or a metal bar. Or a metal bar. I have any, pretty much any object that wasn't your arm. I mean, would have been a superior choice. I, yeah, I feel like that's accurate. I mean, I feel like that's accurate. So now are you going to go to work and tell people? I'm actually going to talk, one, go to work and tell people about this is the story of, of the phrase Katie bar the door. And then I'm also going to point them to this podcast to let them listen to the story of Katie Barr last week. That's, that's right. We we really did look it up. Uh, I, I had to, I had to look it up hard. I sent you a bunch of links. I think on it. Do you, do you have those links? Just because we want to include sources when we can. Absolutely, and then we'll also go back and include the sources from the other yeah. side. But so we yeah, Wikipedia for Catherine Douglas www.phrases.org. Where else? Oh, the worldwide uh, words. I use that one a lot for these sayings and things. The free dictionary. Uh, I, I used Yahoo Answers. I remember that. Because here's the thing. I wasn't going to use Yahoo Answers because it's usually just people on the internet. Yeah. But the guy who answered this or the gal that answered I don't know who it was. The person that answered it had a bunch of citations and sources and uh, a knowledge that lined up with all the other facts I had. So I was like, well, let's use it. Then. Yeah, I'm going to trust them. So that may be me. Uh, the word detective. There's a hyphen in between the words word and detective. And there was one other one, and I can't remember. There's idioms and wordorigins.org. So, guys, thank you for joining us. Uh, make a mess of this. I mean, this was fun, though. It's this fun. Was... We're just having fun on this one. Because yeah. the sayings and blowing smoke is hilarious. Uh, blowing smoke, actually, the majority of that came from online just searching, and I found it all lined it up. The best... Uh, source I can give you for it is there's a Gizmodo article from 2014, I think. And it is good. It is where I found the rhyme and everything. You can go to Wikipedia. You can go to like idioms and uh, a few other places that have stories. But this was pretty much the best one. And I used it as my main source because it lined up, yeah. again, with everything I found out. And I liked the way it was presented. So it was where I went back to most of the time when I was trying to figure out what to include or not include. That's it. That's uh that's the show for this week. For this fortnight. Oh wow. That's right. Oh wow. It's that is, right. That is correct. For this fortnight. This so there you learned three things. Kids, you learned what blowing smoke means? That's correct. What Katie Bar the door means. And the meaning of fortnight. A fortnight. That's right. So now you can tell Shakespeare. Eat it. You telling me if there wasn't a bunch of Beyonce swimming, you don't have a hose just walking around like y'all just holler. <laughs> Let me know what's going on. I'm pretty sure I can ask. I'll ask. I mean, less control over the blade. I my, my college roommates are doctors. They yeah. all did better than me. <laughs> um, they're not talking about spreading Victorian people's butt cheeks and blowing smoke, are they? <laughs>